I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Okay, what I was about to say is it's too bad we're only in season one of the X-Files right now instead of season 10, even though season 10 is only so-so because season 10 deals with aliens slash the government potentially infecting the entire world with a deadly disease. <laughs> Spoiler alert for season 10. The, oh, oh, man. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to get there back. Well, I already know what's happening. So why That's so lying? far down the line. that <laughs> Yeah. We'll get there someday. Maybe. Although with this, we'll see. with this whole thing going on, we may get there sooner rather than later. Because uh, I'm off tomorrow and you're locked down at home. So who knows? We may even record another episode tomorrow. We'll find out. It's quite possible. I know I'm going to be watching some more stuff tonight. I just yeah. haven't You're, gotten around to what yet. I noticed you're a, a few episodes ahead of me, but that's cool anyway. Anywho, uh, oh, man, I probably should start the actual show. This is, <laughs> this is the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And, yep, we're we're still, uh, you know, dealing with our crazy world. And what better way to deal with our crazy world than deal with Mulder and Scully's crazy world involving monsters and aliens and everything like that? So let's, let's do that instead of worrying about reality. <laughs> Even though it's getting a little too real. It's getting a little bit too real out there. Too real. Uh, any, so we are on season one, episode 17, titled EBE, which means Extraterrestrial Biological Entity, in case you were wondering. And this episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. It is actually the first of the uh, overall myth episodes uh, involving the big conspiracy that was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Uh, up until this point, they had all pretty much been written by Chris Carter. who And uh, this one was directed by William Graham, and it originally aired February 18th, 1994. God, 1994 seems so long ago now. <laughs> well, we were just nothing but young little boys. I mean, what? <laughs> well, I mean, we were young little boys, but not like in like the way that priests would be this is getting too weird i gotta stop uh the cold open of this episode is a uh, jet flying over the skies in iraq and a light shows up in the sky but the fighter pilot notices it's not on his radar so he's like hey uh base i've got a you know very typical ufo encounter hey base i've got a thing can you confirm this thing is out here? And they're like, nope, we don't see it. And then the object disappears. And then, like, seems like it's attacking the jet. So the pilot's like, oh, shit, I'm being attacked. And he shoots it with a missile and hits it. 
So it crashes, obviously, and it crashes right by a NATO Air Force base. And the soldiers see the flames in the trees. And one of the soldiers is like, yo, uh, a plane just crashed here. Hurry up and get some, some people over here to help with this. And whoever he's radioing is like, uh, I don't know what you got, but we didn't see any planes on our radar. And he's like, well, it's something and it's out there. And they run to investigate. And then we see another strange UFO light. And that's when the opening credits come on. So, uh, yeah. I mean, pretty standard stuff so far from what we've seen in these shows lately. Sure. Especially with the cold opens. I feel like I've seen something, and it could be just also, like, how many times I've watched this cold open yesterday Mm -hmm. in general because of, like, just trying to watch it, and then something happened, and I go back to watch it, and it's just like, ah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and as far as... In the time we're in now, in the year 2020, uh, a lot of this UFO imagery, and I guess maybe it was in 1994 as well, but not to this extent. But now, this is all stuff that is like burned deep into the culture, partly because of the X-Files is basically what a typical UFO encounter with like a military uh establishment of oh, military establishment's not the word i'm looking for but a military like personnel and a plane and all that this is kind of like typical of what that would look like well it's similar to the one that was earlier with the except with little less um futuristic technology the one that where they had like the weird laser wires oh uh, yep laser mm-hmm. walls and it's not, this one isn't too far off. It's just kind of a different spectrum of it. Sure. Yep, that's true. Um, so anyway, after the credits, uh, instead of going to Washington, which is normally where we pick up after the credits, we see an 18-wheeler driving down the road, and it's in Tennessee, and the guy driving the truck, he's listening to the Grand Ole Opry. But his radio starts to be all wonky and switching between channels, which um, when I talk about uh, stuff being pretty standard, like this is you can think Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which obviously came out way before this film because or before this TV show, because this is basically right out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind because the radio goes crazy. uh, So he turns it off. And then on his CB radio, there's other truckers who are like, whoa, I saw this thing. It had like orange lights. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. Shaped like a cigar. You know, he's driving off that way. And woohoo, I saw the police driving by real fast. Man, the accents during this bit were just the best. I'm exaggerating only a little teeny bit. They said they were getting very close to like the South Park. <laughs> and then uh, the police do go flying by. <laughs> oh, police cars go flying by, and the CB goes to static, and the truck dies. Again, very close encounters of the third kind. So the trucker, he like gets his shotgun, and he jumps out of his truck, and a craft comes over the trees. And actually, for 1994 TV special effects... It was pretty convincing. 
Yeah, I was I was like, oh, all right. I forgot this is like kind of like now we're kind of getting into like what they've explored a little bit with the different kind of technology mm-hmm. uh, for like especially for spacecraft and all that fun stuff. So I was like, all right, this is kind of now more around kind of yep. the same sort of effects they used for like Charmed or Buffy mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's like slightly cheesy but not as cheesy. Right, like I said, for for 1994 television budget special effects, pretty good. So anyway, uh, yeah, the UFO comes over the trees, and the back of the trailer on the truck opens all on its own, and the trucker fires his gun at something. We don't see what. And so the next, the very next shot is two stopwatches and. You know, hands reach out, starts them both at the same time, takes one of them and puts it in a coat pocket. And it's Mulder. He grabs like a Geiger counter and he starts walking around. And Scully is just like, you know, maybe he shot at like a, a, a mountain lion. It, you know, kind of sounded like his description was a mountain lion. Uh, also, yeah, by the way, the weather said that there was some lightning around here. And Mulder's basically... They're by a moat. They can... By a, a river or a lake. This could cause some, like, sort of refra- refraction. And, and there could have been some like, swamp gat. The old... Fa- the old swamp yeah, that's what swamp gat. Swamp gat. And Mulder's basically just like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Yeah, swamp gas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he finds... Swamp gas. Me every morning. Yeah, basically. Swamp gas <laughs> is what I get after eating too many microwave burritos. Yeah. And he finds a weird bit of something on the ground and collects it, which I don't think ever was important. It never comes right, back. It never came back. Like, he collected it. They made a point of showing him noticing it and collecting it and then didn't do anything with it. And finally, and finally Mulder is like, okay, well, yeah, sure. It could have been swamp gas, but does swamp gas make stopwatches run differently <laughs> and he whips out his two stopwatches he's like i started these at the same time and see they're at different times and you know because in the end Mulder's always right which is yeah <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about Mulder always being right later because that plays into um something here in the episode or plays into something later on that we'll talk about and so after this scene, uh, you know, they're talking to the uh, trucker in the police station and he's red all over like he's got a really bad sunburn. And Mulder's like, so uh, why don't you tell us more about last night? And the trucker's like, well, I saw this round thing like a saucer with green and orange lights. And Mulder's like, but last night you said it was shaped like a cigar and it was all black. And the trucker is like, well, I didn't want this. I just want to deliver my car parts and go home. And then he starts coughing and Scully's like, how long have you been coughing? And he's like, why? And she's like, well, between the coughing and the you're, you're kind of sweating and you're red, like you have symptoms of Gulf War syndrome. And he's like, but I wasn't in the Gulf War. And Mulder's like, fine. Well, then how long have you been sick? <laughs> and the trucker's like, um, since last night. 
And that obviously gets Mulder all excited, but the police chief barges in and is like, all right, Mr. Trucker guy, you can leave. We don't need you anymore. And uh, by the way, you two FBI agents, get the hell out of here. We don't, we, we're not cooperating with your investigation. You know, obviously like somebody very, the same thing that's happened like in three other episodes before this, right? Someone is obviously called this guy and, you know, been like way above his head and stuff like that. And you can tell, and, uh, Mulder even says so in the very next scene. And, the important part about this scene, however, and it doesn't seem important when it happens, but you're going to have to remember, a lady at the counter borrows Scully's pen. So just bear that in mind. Some They're at like the rent-a-car counter, and a lady's like, excuse me, can I borrow your pen? Mine's dead. And Scully... Oh! Mm-hmm. Okay. I totally missed that. I Now I get it. Yeah. Yep. Because that becomes important later. And so... Chatting about, you know, soldiers see a lot of UFOs in wartime and Scully's like, yeah, well, they probably only see like top secret aircraft and they, you know, have their little back and forth. And finally Mulder says, I'm going to talk to some people when we get back to Washington. And Scully's like, uh, Mulder, the military isn't going to talk to you. And Mulder's like, nope, I'm going to go see these guys who are extreme government watchdogs. And they publish a magazine called The Lone Gunman. And he says their info is first rate, <laughs> which becomes really hilarious in the next scene. Oh, my God. Just their interactions with these guys is the funniest thing. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the lone gunman because we cut to Frohickey. Uh, we don't know his name's Frohickey yet, but he's Frohickey. And he's taking a picture of something. And Langley, who is the guy with the long hair, is talking to Scully and Mulder. So now we officially meet the lone gunman. And we're going to talk about them for a minute. Because when I said earlier that Mulder's always right, part of the reason the lone gunman exists was they wanted to write some characters into the script crazier than Mulder so that he could have more credibility in this episode. All right. So, um, that's when we meet, uh, John Fitzgerald Byers, who is the character that is the tall guy with the suit and the beard, Richard, the one that doesn't look like he's living out of like, uh, like of a storage unit. <laughs> yeah, the one that doesn't look like, uh, Richard Langley, who is, uh, the one with the long hair and the glasses and he wears like a lot of geek and metal t-shirts and stuff like that. And Melvin Frohickey, who is the one that kind of looks like a frog with glasses on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And actually, the thing about Frohickey is he was played by a guy named Tom Braidwood. Um, and Braidwood, up to this point, was actually a uh, – assistant director on the series he was the first assistant director he wasn't an actor they just kind of pulled him uh, the producers they were trying to cast the roles of the lone gunman and he walked by and they were like oh oh wait let's use him and uh tom braidwood as kind of like an in joke his name has been hidden in a lot of episodes up to this point and is actually hidden in this episode as well. But like in past episodes, like 
if they're at an executive parking lot, like there's a, there would be a sign that say, you know, this spot reserved for Tom Braidwood or whatever. It was kind of like an in joke with the cast. Yeah. So uh, the lone gunmen are super conspiracy nuts as we find out because the, the first thing Langley says is, Hey Mulder, check this out. I had breakfast with the guy who shot JFK. He's an old guy now, but he was disguised as a cop on the grassy knoll. And Mulder's like, oh, really? That I, I, When that started, I was like, oh, my goodness. This is going to be a fantastic. They are And they were only supposed to be in this episode. This was the only episode they were supposed to be in. And people loved them so much that they became like secondary characters for throughout the rest of the series. And so anyway, after Langley says that, then Byers says, Oh, by the way, this guy who's in charge of the Russian social Democrats, he's being to put in, he's being put into power by the most heinous and evil force of the 20th century. And Mulder's like Barney. (laughs) Yes. Which makes uh, Scully and Langley laugh, and Byers like, no, the CIA. (laughs) And Scully, like, makes a face, and Langley's like, is this your skeptical partner? And then Frohickey takes her picture and is like, she's hot. (laughs) Frohickey is us. Frohickey is us. Stay away, Frohickey. I've known her for 16 episodes before this. You just met her. The funny thing is, that's ongoing. Frohickey has a crush on Scully for the rest of the series. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, So then Byers is like, oh, Scully, why are you so skeptical? Why wouldn't you believe that the CIA now that the Cold War is over, would want to make sure that the Russians become the enemy again so that they can keep their power and their money. And Scully says something, and Scully's like, uh, the government can barely manage to control the deficit or the crime rate. Why would they plan an elaborate conspiracy? And Frohickey's like, she is hot. She is hot. (laughs) And Mulder's like, settle down, Frohickey. By the way, I want to complain about something really quick. This it's driving me nuts. I have some audiobooks of some uh, collections of X-Files short stories. And this series exists. Frohickey is not a name that only exists on paper. People have said it out loud in a TV show that was on the air for years and the narrators of these audiobooks say fro hike. <laughs> Pisses me off. Those are always the best, is when you go to, like, it's pronounced one way and every sort of literature or something, but then as soon as, like, audio or film does it one way, everyone's like, Excuse me? <laughs> So anyway, Byers is like, oh no, we're not talking about a bunch of idiots up on the hill. We're talking about the dark network, the government within the government who are controlling our every move. And Scully's like, uh, what? How? What? And Byers is like, give me a $20 bill. (laughs) 
And so she does, and he starts ripping it, and Scully's like, hey! And Mulder just starts laughing at her, and Byers pulls out the anti-counterfeiting strip, which I forgot existed back in... I thought that was more recent than 1994, but no, the one the one that was inside mm-hmm. the dollar bills or whatever, like the twenties and the fifties, yeah. those existed for a long time. It wasn't until recently mm-hmm. when they put them on the outside, right? And because um, he pulls it out and he says, "This is a magnetic strip that registers every time you walk through a middle detector. It lets them know where you are and at what time you're there and how much money you have." And Scully's like, uh, this is an anti-counterfeiting device. And Langley is then like, well, why is it on the inside? Other countries put it on the outside. What are they hiding from you? <laughs> and finally, even Mulder is like, ah, stop. What do you know about <laughs> Gulf War syndrome? Like, even he's like, this is enough. Like, yeah. what about Gulf War syndrome? And Langley is like, oh. Agent Orange of the 90s and Byers says something about, you know, bullets coated with uranium. And Mulder is like, okay, well, what about secret aircraft? And Byers is like, why would they need secret aircraft? And Mulder's like, okay, so what about UFOs? And then Langley laughs at him and says, yeah, UFOs cause Gulf War syndrome. Good one, Mulder. And Byers is like, that's why we like you. Your ideas are weirder than ours. (laughs) (laughs) These guys were the internet before there was the internet. They are Twitter. Oh, God, I love them. They're so great. (laughs) So we leave the lone gunman behind and it's uh, Mulder and Scully. They're looking at some pictures and Scully is like, those are the most paranoid people I have ever met. I don't know how you could think that their like ideas are good. And Mulder's like, well, no, actually, she says, I don't know how you could think their ideas are even remotely plausible. And Mulder's like, I think it's remotely plausible. Someone might think you're hot. oh god and so scully keeps poking fun at the lone gunman and at the same time she's like trying to write something and her pen doesn't work so she opens it up to put in a new ink cartridge and she finds a small listening device attached to the inside of her pen i completely forgot about this until you brought it Mm -hmm. up like about the pen because I was like, when did that happen? Yep, the lady that borrowed it put it inside of there. Yeah. So then Mulder goes back to his apartment, and now he knows that someone is listening to them, so he proceeds to tear his entire apartment apart, right down to smashing the light bulb that was in his desk lamp, just to be sure. Um, but he finally... Oh, no, wait, I forgot that this happened. I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like, isn't there a deep throat segment yep, I forgot before about this? The, I forgot about the deep throat segment because uh, Mulder goes to his apartment and he puts a blue light bulb in his lamp and points it out the window. And then eventually his phone rings and uh, he answers and there's a click and that means that it's deep throat. So he goes to meet him by the river 
That's right. That's when that happens. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So the co- couple times we've seen this deep throat and how they communicate, mm-hmm. they seem to meet at very different points, like areas, instead of like the same place. Right. Yeah. And so, I'm like, how the hell did they figure that out with just a click of the phone? I actually don't know. You posit or you point out a good uh, plot problem and you are correct because (laughs) yeah they don't seem to have a i feel like yeah you're right good point i actually never thought of that yeah because they literally i think the first time you meet deep throat they're at a different place Mm -hmm. that is like maybe by a that or if they're trying to see make it seem like it is all around the same area it's like different points of it. And I'm like, well, how do they know to go meet them at this particular spot instead of another spot? And then I mean, later on in this, they meet at a, at like a, at like an, an aquarium. aquarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder, uh, I mean, maybe I guess, uh, I don't know, maybe, huh? The truth is out there. The truth is out there, find. I guess. So yeah, that is the point they're, you know, at the river, hanging out and Mulder's like fine who's listening to me why are they listening to me and deep throat hands him this envelope and doesn't say anything and just walks away and Mulder stops him he's like look what am I on to and deep throat kind of stops and he turns around and he's like a dangerous path and then he leaves and Mulder opens the envelope and it's just basically a description of the scene from the cold open with the Iraqi pilot and so uh, Mulder is in his office at this point and Scully comes in and she's like oh uh, I got some news for you the truck isn't a real truck and the trucker isn't a real trucker Uh, the manifest says he was hauling you know X amount of car parts and at three different weigh stations, they actually weighed him in at 2,000 pounds heavier than he was supposed to be, meaning he had something else in his trailer, but no one reported the fact that he weighed in 2,000 pounds heavier than he was supposed to. And also, he's not really a trucker. He has a, he was using a fake name, and he actually was in the Gulf War, so he lied Uh, He's been to the VA a bunch of times because he's sick. And then Mulder gets very mad because he says, obviously, the truck was hauling, crashed UFO, and we let it get away. And Scully's like, well, how do you know? And Mulder's like, because Deep Throat told me. And Scully's like, uh, you need to tell me some more about him. And Mulder's like, I don't know anything more about him. He just keeps us out of harm's way. And Scully's like, you don't know that you don't like we work for the fbi and someone is bugging us like that's not out of harm's way and Mulder's like well that tells me that not everything is as it appears to be and scully's like yeah exactly so maybe he's bugging us (laughs) and Mulder's like no no i trust him and scully says something that i think is pretty important because this I think really cements the fact that like at this point they finally really are partners. She says, Mulder, the only person I trust is you. And Mulder's like, then you're 
going to have to just trust me. So I do think that's kind of an important moment for the series because they finally are like connected as partners. Cause she and says, finally they can dive in a little bit deeper versus every every episode where Molly and uh, Scholar and Mulder. Scully and Mulder. I do the same Mulder, thing. Mulder and Scully are like not just arguing with each other like the plot of the film of the show mm. for like a good five, ten minutes of like sure. in every episode. Like she still is going to disagree with and up to this point she's always like kind of had his back and everything but I do think it says a lot that she's just like the only person I trust is you. So I yeah. that as far as character moments go that's a pretty well written moment I think. So, uh, okay, and then uh, Mulder says to her, you know, where is the truck? And she's like, it's heading west. And so this is the part where he goes back uh, to his apartment and he tries to turn his light on. And a voice says to him, I cut the main breaker, which is creepy as fuck. Um, But it's Deep Throat and Deep Throat's just in his apartment. Uh, Again, which is kind of creepy. And he gives Mulder another envelope uh, and leaves. And so Mulder checks out what's in the envelope. And it's a picture of two UFOs over a military police car, you know, with an officer kind of looking at the UFOs. And then we cut to Scully, who's looking at the photo. And Mulder's like, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is the best photographic evidence i've ever seen like we've got to figure out where in scully's like um sorry Mulder, this is fake and explains to him she's like see this shadow on the soldier like makes no sense where the moon or wherever is located they would cast a shadow on there yeah and Mulder's like wow maybe there's like an uh you know maybe the camera had a flash and that makes that shadow And she's like, okay, well, also you see these lights in the car windshield coming off the UFO. They don't match the color of the lights that are on the UFO. And Mulder says something about the tint of the windshield and atmospheric conditions. And finally, uh, Scully is like, look, we need to have this analyzed. And Mulder's like, no, you just don't want to believe. And Scully's like, no, you're too determined to believe. You're very passionate and I, I respect that and I get it, but sometimes your passion blinds you and a lot of folks could use that against you. And the truth is out there, Mulder, but so are lies. And Mulder's like, thanks. And he leaves. <laughs> so um, then we get like this cheap jump scare moment, which I didn't like necessarily. I thought it was cheap. Uh, Scully goes into her office Oh, yeah. Sets her briefcase down and it's standing up and she leaves and go gets coffee and comes back and her briefcase is laying down and then uh, a sound happens and she's like, and it's just Mulder. So I was like, that was lame. It's lame at the same time. What's the point? (laughs) Right. It's lame. And what was the point? Like, they were trying to set it up like, oh, someone is still watching Scully. Like, there's someone in her office. And then it just turns out it's Mulder. It was like, that's not, that was not good. Yeah. But uh, Mulder's like, 
So I thought about what you said, and I went and had the picture analyzed, and blah, blah, blah. Analysis says this and this and this, but basically what I realized is you notice up here in the sky, the moon is half full, and then you notice this reflection of the moon over here is only a quarter full. And oh, by the way, where this moon is reflected in this window, there's no possible way the moon in the sky could reflect that way. Yeah, you were right, Scully. This photo is <laughs> fake after all. And so he's really upset because Deep Throat lied to him. And uh, he realizes that apparently there's something that he's not supposed to find. And so this is the part you talked about where now they're at the aquarium and Mulder's looking at the sharks. <laughs> Yeah, how, like, my thing is, well, how did he get in touch with Deep Throat? Because he apparently can't get in touch with him a lot of times. And how do they know to meet the aquarium if it's just, like, with the phone? Makes no Maybe sense. A Claw holes. That means aquarium. <laughs> I don't know. It, it ruins the whole, like, I thought this movie was, like, the show was so real, and then that came, mm -hmm. happened, and then I was like, no, forget it. Totally. You ruined it. And, you know, Deep Throat comes in, and Mulder's like, uh... That picture was fake. You lied to me. And he gets more and more mad and eventually he's like, look, I thought you were on my side. And Deep Throat's like, I am on your side, but I, it, it's a great risk to my life every time I talk to you. I spent all these years witnessing people doing terrible things. And then I spent a lot of time watching you to make sure I could trust you, which is kind of creepy. Like you were watching, watching him. Weird. Yeah. And Mulder's like, well, if you thought you could trust me, why did you lie to me? And Deep Throat's like, I, I needed you to, like, go in the wrong direction. You and Scully are really good at what you do. But some stuff still needs to be keep uh, kept secret because people aren't ready to know. And Mulder is like, well, who are you f to decide what people should know? And Deep Throat gives that old thing about people's reactions would be too dangerous and Mulder yells at him about some stuff and eventually. What the hell is the cat making all that noise for? Sorry, my cat just. I was going to say, I just heard that. <laughs> for a second, I thought he was hurt. Nope, he's not hurt. He's just being weird. Okay. For a second, the way he sounded, I thought he had hurt himself. But and now the dog's barking. She's probably going to. Oh, God damn. Everything is all noise or animal noise right now. We're getting too close to the truth. We're getting truth. too close now, to the truth, I think. Um, oh, Mulder's like, uh, I guess this won't end as long as men like you get to decide what's true. And uh, Deep Throat says something about if a shark stops swimming, it will die. Don't stop swimming. I'm not the one responsible for bugging you, but I do know that who is responsible can still hear you. And then Deep Throat leaves, and then this is the part where yeah. Mulder tears his apartment apart and eventually finds another listening device hidden behind an electrical socket. And right as he finds the bug, his doorbell rings, and Scully's like, Mulder, are you home? And he opens the door and is like, Scully, hi, I'm glad you came. And he like holds up his finger so she won't, you know, so she won't be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why is your place destroyed? Why is your place destroyed? 
and he just kind of leads her in and is like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right, Scully. They won. We we just need to move on. And while he's doing that, he, like, points. And she sees that the bug is there. And he writes her a note that says, we have to find the truck. And she nods and says, yeah, I think you're right this time, Mulder. So they fooled the bug people. <laughs> Or did they? Did they? Because now they do this elaborate scheme where Mulder drops off Scully in one place and uh, a man in a suit gets out of a different car and starts kind of following Scully and Mulder drives away and the man that was left in the car that Sukai got out of starts to follow Mulder. So Scully sees the guy following her and hops in a taxi and he tries to get in a taxi and can't get one. So Scully goes off to the airport and does this thing where she gets a round trip ticket to Chicago that she paid for with her credit card. Because remember, the lone gunman said they're watching. So she uses her credit card because that can be tracked. But then she buys a one-way ticket to Los Angeles with a stop in Las Vegas. To Vegas. Oh, yeah. yeah. That she pays for with cash. Which, by the way, I'll take a trip to Los Angeles with a stop in Las Vegas once this is all over and we can finally go outside again. <laughs> when this is all over, uh, my first thing is to go to either Ve- is to go to Vegas and then come back to Vermont for a little bit. Yep. I don't blame you, buddy. And so uh, while she does that, Mulder notices he's being tailed and he stops a red light and he looks and he notices there's that guy behind him. And as soon as it turns green, he floors it and takes an illegal left hand turn and leaves the other car behind. Um, And Mulder goes to a different airport than the one Scully went. Scully went to like the D.C. airport and Mulder drove to Baltimore and got on the Baltimore airport. And so then they meet up at McCarran in Las Vegas. Ah, Las Vegas. Ah. And Scully is there and she's pretending to look at some postcards and stuff. And Mulder comes in and walks over to the magazines and pretends to look at the magazines. And Scully goes over and she kind of pretends to look at the magazines. And they're like, okay, so where's the truck? Secret stuff. It was like going west, like it left here a little while ago and going to Seattle. We got to go to Seattle. So uh, whole pointless stopover. And they could have just gone straight. They could have skipped the whole Las Vegas yeah. thing and gone right to whatever. Um, then finally they're in Washington and they're sitting in their car waiting for the truck and Mulder's eating his signature sunflower seeds and the truck goes by and they follow it for apparently hours because Scully says something about we've been following this truck for hours and maybe they're just trying to throw us off the trail and that's when the radio and we do the whole radio bright lights car stops thing again from uh, close encounters of the third kind and they get out to check the truck which is also in the road and the driver is gone and the alien is gone and the wreckage is and gone. somehow the truck found its way like it completely turned around yep it was facing the opposite way <laughs> yes um and basically Mulder's like oh my god 
there there was an alien here because there's like a little medical setup in the back of the truck. He's like, I think that the, his buddies just came and rescued him. But then he does his whole stopwatch experiment again. And it turns out, nope, it was a hoax. And Mulder's like, maybe they used some sort of sound weapon in a helicopter with a bright light. And Scully's like, okay, so if they were literally just trying to throw us off, wouldn't they have just killed us? And Mulder's like, you know, I was kind of thinking about that, but maybe they're doing exactly what you said and using my beliefs against me. And Scully is like, well, then I guess this is over. We have no one left to turn to. And Mulder's like, well, that's not true. We have one more thing we can do. And he starts calling, like, all the UFO investigation organizations, like MUFON and NICAP and Chicago UFO investigation bullshit, whatever. (laughs) And it all boils down to they realize that all their reports are in a straight line from Tennessee to this little town in Washington State, about 100 miles from where they are. So they drive to that town, and Mulder sees a group of people having a UFO party that are like, Welcome, Space Brothers. And Scully and Mulder's like, <sighs> and, yeah, I know. Well, you know what it kind of reminded me of, though, is uh, the people in Independence Day that go up to the top of the building to be like, Hi, aliens! And then they get. Yeah, right before they get killed. Right before they get shot to hell. Kind of reminded me of them. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I partially was waiting for like some sort of like something to come down and just kill a bunch of them. Right. Um, so anyway, Mulder's like, wow, having a UFO party, huh? And he's like, yeah, this is like the third night in a row we've been out here. They go hang out right over that power plant right there. And he points at the power plant and Mulder and Scully drive over there and are like, whoa, this is definitely the place. Uh, but Scully points out they must have like super duper security. And Mulder's like, well, this is just the sort of challenge they're looking for. And Scully's like, who? And he calls up the lone gunman. <laughs> and Langley answers. <laughs> and... and <laughs> Mulder basically convinces him. He's like, look, how would you like to have uh, proof of alien life on the cover of your magazine? And just get me some ID numbers so that we can get into this plant. And this is when we see uh, Tom Braidwood's name as an Easter egg. Because one of the name that Mulder's fake name to get into the plant is Tom Braidwood. Um, so they get in to the plant obviously and once they're inside Mulder's like oh the only thing that uh, Langley couldn't get us access to was level six and so that's obviously the level we need to get into and they pass by the door to get into level six and there's a soldier there who like gives them serious side eye he's like I don't know who the fuck these people you can tell he's like I don't know who the fuck these people are and so they're they're trying to get in and the the you know the military guard the the military policeman he comes up he's like you're going to have to come with me please and Mulder's like oh no no we just got lost where he's like you need to come with me please proceed down the hallway 
And Scully's like, look, we're with the FBI. She gets her badge. She's like, we're just here having an, we're, we're conducting an investigation. And again, he's like, you need to come with me. Rosie, shut up. We're talking about the X-Files. <laughs> and, um, anyway. My favorite part about this is because they walk, yeah, as they're walking away. Uh, Sorry, and the Mulder dog really the, distracted me. Yeah. I lost my place. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 they're like walking by, and there's like this, 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 uh, six. The door to section six, level six. Yeah, and Mulder just goes flying through it. Yeah, he just as they're runs. running away. Well, my favorite. But my part, favorite part even made is, note of it. Oh, I found the part. I'm like, and a whole bunch of soldiers run. Way too many soldiers for one guy. <laughs> like, well, not only that was that funny, but as soon as he runs through the door, Scully just has this. Look on her face like well fuck and puts her arm up first before the guy grabs it to take mm-hmm. her away like he's like not a, like very much in a like here we go again kind of deal yep. just puts her arm up just like all defeated like whatever and then there's a really <laughs> funny part where he's like running and he just for no reason this shot takes place by the way of him running and he just trips over a little chain yeah and then, for some reason, he has a limp for a little bit for no well, reason. Well, because he tripped over the chain anything. and he and he um uh, he hit his knee on the like catwalk. <laughs> just... Yeah, but normally when they throw a limp in, there's something involving like there's something about it that will play into it. But he like I don't know. I think he just like, limps it's just, like, so that the, all those like way too many soldiers can catch up can with him. Catch up. <laughs> But during this whole thing, I felt like it should have been. So in anyway, Mulder, he runs in and he sees this little chamber that's got a window in it. And he's like, that's got to be where. And he goes to run up so he can finally see the alien and the soldiers like run around him in a circle and stop him. And Deep Throat comes in. He's like. All right. Nope. Y'all did a good job. Good job. Good job, everybody. Let him go. Let him go. Good job, everybody. You're dismissed. And they all leave. And so Deep Throat is like, I know how bad you want to look in that window, but it'd be pointless. It's dead. And Mulder gives him a look and Deep Throat's like, you know, after the Roswell incident, there was this big super secret conference and all the big superpowers came and we all agreed that if any extraterrestrial biological entity survived a crash, it would have to be killed. And I'm one of the only three people who has ever killed one of these things. And I don't know if like it didn't know what a gun was or if they, if it, if their species doesn't show emotion but its innocent blank face right before I killed it has haunted me ever since I killed it. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I give you this information so that because I need to atone for what I did and people need to know the truth. And so Mulder walks and he looks in the window and the room is empty. So... They walk out of the power plant, him and Deep Throat, and Deep Throat is like, you're awful quiet. And Mulder finally says, I'm just wondering which lie to believe. And Deep Throat laughs at him and walks away. And Scully also comes out and she stands next to him and they just watch him 
walk into the night and that's the end of the episode overall this episode i thought was pretty good yeah um I, this is definitely i don't know if we're going off of letter pay a letter yep, grade letter stuff like that yep. um i give this kind of a b plus mm-hmm. a minus uh, set area because i really enjoyed like more so the story as well as what they did for Mulder and scully and also i i can already tell the lone gunman are going to be some of my favorite characters mm-hmm. yep i am at about an a minus i think this is so far in the series the best of the conspiracy episodes like the the major overarching story um and i do think like I said earlier, it does a lot to finally fully... Because even at one point, uh, right before they find out that the uh, that they were played with the truck, Scully is like, wait, did that, did that really just happen? Did we... Like, even she is like, shit, I think maybe we just had yeah. a close encounter with it. Like, she believes it. She buys right into it at that point, which she really hasn't so far. And won't again later on, but it kind of is just a moment where she and Mulder are more on the same page. Um, plus a lot revealed about Deep Throat and why he wants Mulder to uh, finally expose all the bad things that are going on in relation to extraterrestrial life. And, of course, the introduction of the Lone Gunman. So... Solid A minus from me. Yeah. All right. It's let's have a fun look now. Yeah, and you know what? I accidentally just closed the window that told me what our next episode is supposed to be. Let me bring it up again. Oops. I know that one of my, I know that another one of my favorite episodes is coming up. It's not the next episode. It's a couple down the line. But uh, let's see. Oh, the next one is Miracle Man. Uh, I only somewhat remember that one. Uh, I know you've already watched it. Uh, oh no, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I thought you had gotten to. I thought you had watched a couple episodes the other day when you had nothing else going on. All right. No, I watched. Uh, I watched one episode and then I was like, "Well, I got to do something." And then I proceeded to watch nothing but YouTube videos and <laughs> text with people. Nice. And I was just like, I, and, but every time I'm like, I need to do something. Then I get further in and then I'm like, uh, no, nah, I'm just going to keep watching videos. <laughs> nice. Well, the uh, next episode is Miracle Man. And who knows if this uh, thing keeps going on longer and longer and we get more and more recording times in this may turn into a twice weekly podcast just so people don't go crazy <laughs> we'll find out what happens or you can at least or you can at least hear me as i go as i go crazy that too all right that's it for now everybody trust no one bye yeah <laughs> bye <laughs>The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. 
Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocca. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. <laughs>